Jewish tradition, the words of Eshes were written about Sarei Menu. Avram Avinu's hesped for Sarei Menu was the piyut, the poem, the liturgical poem of Eshes the woman of valor. 
But on a certain level, Avram Avinu and the relationship that he had with Sari Imenu is representative of the relationship between the master of the universe, between Hashem and the Jewish people. The Eishas Chayel that we sing, that those of us who are fortunate enough to have mothers, or to have sisters, or to have wives, to sing to, when we're singing those words uh, around the Shabbos table, there's one level where we're singing, of course, to the physical embodiment of our spouses, of the, of the feminine in Judaism. There's a Torah from Rabbi Nachman. Rabbi Nachman wrote in Sikh Saran that in the generation of Avram Avinu, the Shechino was called Sarah. And in the generation of Yitzchak Avinu, the Shechino was called Rivka. The name of the Shechino changed. And in the time of, Avram, of, of Yaakov Avinu, the name of the Shechino actually split into two and was Rachel and Leah. And the truth is that on a certain level, the name of the Shechino for me is Rina, is the name of my wife. But what that means, it means two things. Number one, it means respect your spouse. So that's what it means, number one. And recognize that your spouse is an embodiment of the divine presence on a certain level. Like we find in the Gemara, you don't need Rabbi Nachman. Like we find, I mean, you need Rabbi Nachman. Everybody needs Rabbi Nachman. Strong, dachuf. But what it means also, as the Gemara says, is that when Rabbi Meir would hear the footsteps of his mother, he would say, hear the, the footsteps of the Shechina coming. The feminine is the Shechina. But if we reverse engineer it, so then that also means that Eishas Chayel is the story that Hashem is singing to the Jewish people. If Avram Avinu is singing Eishas Chayel about Sarah, and that relationship between Kutshebrichu, between Hashem Yisbarach and the Jewish people is a relationship of a husband and wife. Ani dodi v'dodi li. Ki anu raya sechavata dodenu. We are your raya, we are your, we are your beloved. <coughs> If that's true, and it's mamish true, then Eishas Chayil is not just something, which is why it's totally appropriate to sing in a yeshiva when you're just surrounded by a bunch of guys. We sing Eishas Chayil because Eishas Chayil is the, is the love song to the Jewish people, to the feminine, to the quality of the Jewish people. <clears throat> so that nigin that we just sang, which is the nigin that some people sing to Eishas Chayil, So the words, there's so many different, we're not going to spend the whole time today going over the Hesped of Sarri Menu and going through every single line of Eishas Chayel. We don't have time for all of that. But we can say, and what we'll, I guess, begin with, is to understand one line from the Eishas Chayel and how it applies not just to Sarri Menu, of course it applies to Sarri Menu but how it applies to every single one of us as the bride of, of, of Hashem Yisbarach, as a representative of Hashem's presence here in this world, which is Knesset Yisrael, which is the oversoul of the Jewish people. So the Pasuk says, in Eishas Chayel, that the Eishas Chayel works with Tzemer Ufishtim, now, of course, Tzemer and Pishtim, we know, Tzemer and Pishtim is 
two parts of this prohibition, the prohibition of kilayim that we don't mix together, tzemer upishtin. And yet, the Eishas Chayal, she knows how to be tasa, she knows how to asa with tzemer and pishtin, v'tas b'chifetz kapeha. And she, she, literally the words mean, she, she acts with chifetz, with great desire, with great will, with her hands. Now obviously she's not putting the, the tzemer and the pishtin together, she's not putting these two things together. But it means she knows how to work delicately with these two materials in such a way where she could work with both of them without violating any, by putting them together, sewing them together into any. It's a similar interpretation of the words. It means that she's very handy, she knows how to sew, she can make clothing, and she does it in such a way where it's conscientious of all the dinim of tzemer and pishtim that these things don't go together. But on a deeper level, the Yismach Moshe, the grandfather of Rav Yol Teitelbaum of the Satmar Rebbe, the Yismach Moshe, the Rebbe of Siget. Yismach Moshe was one of the early chassidim who was obsessed with Mashiach. Just if you never heard of him, you don't know who he is, Rav Moshe Teitelbaum. He was so on fire for Mashiach, this Jew, that he had a son who was away in yeshiva for an extended period of time. You know, not just six to eight months, whatever you guys have here. But he was away for a number of years. And after the completion of, his, uh, of the machzer, you know, of limudim, he went through Rav Asher's machzer in the mirror, whatever, he, whatever was done. So he, so he came back to, to come home. And it was a big deal, you know, I hadn't seen him in a few years. And it wasn't like uh, there was no FaceTime. There was no phone calls. There was no anything. And... The Shabbos that he was supposed to come back, so the Ismach Moshe was upstairs in his study, getting ready for Shabbos, learning, Dovuk Tashem, trying to do tshuva. And somewhere in the back of his mind, he knew, because everybody knew, because it was a very exciting occurrence that his son was coming back. And to make a long story somewhat shorter, when he finally arrived, when the Ismach Moshe's son arrived home, and from downstairs, he heard everybody celebrating and saying, he's here, he's here, he's come. So this Mahmoshe ran straight downstairs from his study, bolted straight out the door, and started running up, the, up and down the street saying, where, where, where is he? I don't see. Where is he? And everyone said, you ran right, pa- you ran right past him. He said, where, where? I don't see. And it turned out that the Yismach Moshe, even though he knew his son was coming home for the first time in a few years, he thought when he said, he's here, he thought that he's here, you know? Like when you hear a chauffeur blowing in the, in the old city and, you, and there's this feeling for half a second like, yeah, no, maybe, I'm not sure. Old city syndrome, whatever it's called. Jerusalem syndrome or... And for him, he's here. There's only one he's here. He's here is what we're waiting for the whole time is we're waiting for Mashiach. So the Yismach Moshe, the Yismach Moshe has a Torah on this Pasuk of Eishas Chayel where he says that on a certain level, with all due respect to the Paraduma, <coughs> on a certain level, the earliest chok that we have, historically the earliest chok that we have, Paraduma has to do with the Chede Egel. That's later. Like Rashi says, Rashi quotes from his teachers that the Egel is the calf. So Rashi quotes from his teachers that the purpose of the para aduma is that the para, para is, a, is a cow, is a woman cow, is a, is a mother cow, and the egel is a calf. So Rashi says the whole Indian of the para aduma is that with the chile egel, death was reintroduced to the world. 
So let the mother come and clean up after the child. Kedaki Shalala, that's what Rashi writes. That the Paraduma comes to clean up the mess of death that was brought into the world by the Chedeiga. With all due respect to that being the paradigmatic chok, the ultimate archetype of, of a chok, the earliest chok, says the Yismach Moshe, that goes all the way back to the beginning, is Tzemer Pishtin. Tzemer Pishtin is a chok that comes as the aftermath of Cain and Hevel bringing their mysterious karbonos. The Cain brought a carbon of, of chelev from the tzon, from wool. And as Chazal tell us, that Cain, when he brought his poor carbon, his carbon was from flax seed, from pishtan, from linen. And if you even look in mainstream Rishonim, you'll see that there's an explanation which is given for the mitzvah of kilayim, of not mixing these things, that it relates back to this. Now, it doesn't take away the chok nature of it, because what exactly is the mystery? is the mystery of why Cain's carbon wasn't accepted and Hevel's was, and the miscommunication there and Cain killing Hevel and all of this, it's all wrapped up in, in incredible mystery. And so the praise of, of the Eishas Chayel here, the praise of Sari Imenu, the praise of Sari Imenu, and by extension the praise of Am Yisrael, which means the praise of every single one of us, is encapsulated for the Yismach Moshe in the words that she's tas b'chefetz kapeha, What that means, says the Yismach Moshe, is that without being able to fully explain it, we're dealing after all with Chok, of Tzemer Pishtim. Without really being able to understand it, the hands of a Jewish person, normally we don't think of Ratzon as being expressed by the hands. Tas b'chefetz kapeha. Kapeha means the hands. That somehow a Jewish person is primed to automatically be attracted to that which is holy. Can we supersede that? Is it possible for a person to overcome that? Is it possible for a person's natural predisposition, their inclination to holiness, to be destroyed and to be ruined? Not Arasov. But it means that the hands of the Jewish people are drawn towards something. We have this principle in Gemara that sometimes, the Gemara says, for example, on Pesach, they weren't sure what to do. Pesach and Shabbos coincided with each other. Carbon Pesach is docha, but maybe bringing the knife to the Besamikdash is hotza. Maybe that's not allowed. So what are we supposed to do? There was no recollection. Hillel Hazaki didn't remember what were the Jewish people supposed to do when Shabbos fell out in such a way where they were supposed to bring the carbon Pesach, but none of the knives were in the Besamikdash in order to do the Shechitas. So Hillel said, Leave the Jewish people alone. If they're not Nevi'im, they're B'nai Nevi'im. They'll know what to do. And somehow, instinctively, the hands of the Jewish people, so the Gemara talks about how the Jewish people took the knives and they put it between the horns of the, of the goats so that the goats themselves would carry the knives. And as soon as Hillel saw it, he said, ah, I remember seeing that, actually. The Jewish people knew exactly what to do because tas b'chifetz kapeh means that the hands of the Jewish people are primed to act in a way of holiness. It's like, if you're a tailor, and you walk into a room filled with people who are wearing different kinds of clothing. On Shabbos, you walk into the shul and you see different people wearing different types of clothing. So when a tailor walks into the room, the tailor knows right away, he starts to look and he sees this thread and he sees that thread. He sees this needs to be pulled a little bit strong over here. He sees that this, that's just how he sees the world. 
That's his, that's his instinct, is to see the world as clothing. And to notice what type of materials are being used and what type of improvements could be made and what type of improvements have already been made. That's just the natural way the eyes of the tailor are brought. With a Jew, the Jewish people, it doesn't mean that Jew can't be a tailor also. We have lots of different things. But it means somewhere deep within Nishmas Yisrael, which was afforded to us. If you look in the, in the Haftorah this week, and if you look in the Navi over and over again, you'll see that there's this n- notion that Avram and Sarah are the rock, are the tzor from which we were hewn, from which we were taken. Because Avram and Sarah are not just Avram and Sarah, but Avram and Sarah, Avram Avinu, and Sarah Imenu. And Sarah Imenu and Avram Avinu, like we were speaking a little bit about last week, we're working on a level of instinct. The whole inin of the Jewish people saying Nasa v'nishma, we'll do and then we'll understand, goes back to what Chazal said, that Avram and Sarah were working with, with their kidneys. Avram Avinu didn't have a Torah. And Avram Avinu kept the whole Torah because he instinctively understood in the same way that you instinctively know as a human being. Part of being a human being is that you have thousands of years of your DNA being processed in such a way that you know that even before you get sick, if you put spoiled milk in your mouth, there's an instinctive rejection of that. Sarah Imenu is being praised by Avram Avinu tas b'chifetz kapeha that her hands are acting almost like involuntarily. There's a muscle memory which is there, which is drawn towards holiness in such a way that it's kimat automatic. It's kimat automatic. You find in a number of places that when we're speaking about the avos or the imahos, we see that the language which is used, like for example, in a number of places it says about avmevinu, and we find similar lashonas by Sarah. It says, vayisa enav vayar. He raised up his eyes and he saw. Why not just say Vayar and he saw? And the answer is that by Avram Avinu and by Sarah Yimeno and, and by extension of that, every single one of us, the, the Rebbe of Bunim of Pshischa used to say, Chazal say, Matai, when will it be? Masai, is it going to be? That Masai, Yagiu Lamaisa Avosai. Every Jew has to say, every Jew has to say, this is Maimar Chazal, every Jew has to say, when are my actions going to reach the actions of my forefathers? So the Rebbe of Bunim used to say, you think it's Shaykh for you to be like Avram Avinu, like Sari Imenu? Not Shaykh. What is Shaykh though is, it says, Masai Yagia Masai. Yagia comes from the notion of Nigia, of touching. Not when will I achieve the perfection of Avram Avinu, but when will I even just touch and recognize that the place that I was drawn from, the place that my soul was taken out of the rock from which I was hewn, is this place of Avram Avinu and Sari Imenu. That there's an, there's an automatic, if I just allow myself to slightly move out of the way, the inclination of a Jew is to move towards holiness. Vayisa eina vayar means that Avinu's eyes, as if magnetically, were drawn to see what he was seeing. Vayisa eina means his eyes were, were raised up to see what, what needed to be seen, almost without his having to choose it. How does a person get to such a level? You think Avram Avinu was born like that? Avram Avinu wasn't born like that because Avraham Avinu, there's no such thing as Avram Avinu. 
Avram was born as Avram. But Avram became Avraham. And when he became Avraham, he became Avraham Avinu. There's a Torah from, there's a Torah from Rav Chaim Velazhner. Rav Chaim Velazhner in the, in the Ruach Chaim, his commentary to Pirkei Avos. He points out a steer between two Mishnayas. There's one mission in Pirkei Avos that says, Asara Doros, from Adam Harishon until Noach. And Asara Doros, from Noach to Avram. There are ten generations from Adam to Noach. There's more to the Mishnah, but for the purpose of the stereo, that's not sufficient. Ten generations from Adam to Noach. Ten generations from Noach to Avram. Okay, no problem. Another Mishnah, a few Mishnahs later, talks about the Asara Nisyonos Shal Avram Avinu. Mr. Chaim Belashner says, I don't understand. Make up your mind. Is he Avram or is he Avram Avinu? So in terms of the passage of time, says Rav Chaim Velazhner, it's not accidental that when the Torah is, when the, when the Mishnahis are merely, when Rabbi Yudha Nasi is simply just conveying the passage of time from Adam to Noach, from Noach to Avram. And Avram is just Avram. But when we're talking about the Nisyonos of Avram Avinu, when we're talking about Avram Avinu being tested again and again, according to some Rishonim, the final test of Avram Avinu wasn't the Akedah, it was burying, it was burying Sarah in the aftermath of the Akedah. That after he did the Akedah, now that I thought I was going to take Yitzchak's life and then the last second I didn't and now I come back to Asara. And I... This was the final test of Avram Avinu according to Rabbeinu Yonah, according to some of the Rishonim. Avram Avinu is Avram Avinu because the Nisyonos of Avram are passed on to us. He's Avinu. He's our father. Sarah Imenu doesn't matter if you're a, if you're a male or a female. Sari Menu is your mother. Sari Menu lived with this awareness that Avram Vinu praised her, but tas bechefetz kapeha. Her hands were moving in the direction of holiness. And this is what the Jewish people have. The Jewish people are moving in the direction of holiness. Do we sometimes make silly mistakes along the way? Those mistakes along the way, maybe it's not so nice to say, in such, uh, you know, explicit language. But in the language of the Maharal, in the, in the tradition of the Ger Hasidim, Chidush Harim and others, any time a Jewish person or the community of the Jewish people are moved in the direction away from holiness, in the same way that if a tailor could be distracted into looking at something which is not his Indian, that's not his Indian, it's coming from an outside force. It's not coming from the Jewish people. It's a leech on the Jewish people. And to the extent that we don't connect ourselves to these leeches, that's the extent that a person will naturally be drawn towards holiness, towards making the right decision. Ad kach that there were tzaddikim who so deeply believed this, that even when it looks like Jewish people are making mistakes, even when it looks like the Jewish people are acting shaloke darkashel Torah, like Rav, look at look at look at the svarim that came out. Like Rav Tachtel, in the in the return to Eretz Yisrael, Rav Tachtel said, "Look at the look at the Jewish people. Look look how it looks what the Jewish people are doing." Rav Cook similarly similar shonos, that it looks like the Jewish people are 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 maybe not keeping the Torah and mitzvahs in the way that they should be in the coming back to Eretz Yisrael. And how could this be the way that? And Rav Tachtel said, "You think you you think you understand how Hashem operates the world." 
So we find a very similar, we find a very similar Lashon in Chazal, he writes, that when Amisro came out of Mitzrayim, so the Malachim said, no, the 15th of Nisan, come out of Mitzrayim, the 16th of Nisan, what should happen? Matan Torah. Give the Jewish people the Torah. So Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai in the Medrash Abbas says, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai says in the Medrash Abbas that when the Jewish people came out of Mitzrayim, it was like, imagine, it's like a child who got sick and the child has to take uh, all these bitter medicines and finally the child becomes healed. And immediately the day after the child no longer has a high fever, so the school, you know, the teacher in the school is calling and saying to the parents, no, send the kid back to school already. He already missed, uh, he missed 210 years of school. Jewish people in Mitzrayim. He missed 210 years of school. No more. Send this, it's time to come back to... But what, is a, what does a normal parent do? A normal parent says, it's true the fever finally broke, but let me give him a day where I can give him... He hasn't been eating for the past 210 years either. He wasn't eating properly. He was sick. He didn't want to eat anything other than toast and a little bit of, uh, little bit of you know, water, if bakoshi. Let me give him a cup of orange juice first. Let me get the health back. And then he'll, he'll return. V'tas b'chivetz kapel means you have to believe so strong in the Jewish people, in yourself, but certainly in other, in, in other Jews, in other Yidin. If you want to look at the world the way that Hashem looks at the world, then the way to look at the world is to recognize that these are children of Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. These are children of Sarif, Gerachel, and Leah. And that sometimes, even though you might be one of these malachim, who's looking and saying, no, this person needs to come back to school already. Maybe there's somebody, I don't know, I, I daven Hashem all the time before I start, and I'll daven again. I should say things that people need to hear in a way that they need to hear. Maybe there's someone sitting here, I don't know, maybe there's someone sitting here whose parents were like that, 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 that malach, or had a teacher who was like that malach, who was expecting something and they weren't ready to do it. And so you bought into that and believed that the reason that I wasn't doing Shabbos the way that I should have been, or the way that Kashras the way that I should have been, or Tefillin the way that I should have been, or Tefillah, the Slavas the way that I should have been, is because I wasn't doing the will of God. When maybe the real answer is that you were sick for 2,000 years of exile, and maybe you needed to have a certain number of days, of years, of months where you were gaining back your health again, just having a cup of orange juice, maybe sleeping a little bit more, so that you could be strong enough, so that, and that itself is v'tas b'chevetz kapeha. A Jewish person's hand knows how to, it doesn't mean chas v'shalom, a person has any right to look at the Shulchan Aruch and say, ah, this is, I don't feel my hands being drawn to it. I'm gonna, you have to push yourself like crazy. But it does mean that when you're looking outside of yourself, and it does mean when you're looking at your past, and you recognize that maybe my hands weren't moving the way that they should have, are you sure? Are you positive? Do you know for sure that that's the way Hashem wanted your hands to be moving? Like this or like that? If a Navi comes along and says, I want you to stop doing this. I want you to not... When I was uh, ill, when I was sick, so I'm a fafrumter. You know. So I I wanted to continue going to Minyanim. And my teacher said to me, "You're, you're not allowed to. If a Navi comes and says, 
No Shabbos this week. Is Navi allowed to say that? There's only one thing a Navi's not allowed to say. Avodah Zara this week. Next week we'll go back to believing in Hashem. Aside from that, all the mitzvahs, the Neviim are able to... So in Achanami, we're not Neviim. And in Achanami, we have to be somewhat skeptical of ourselves because we have serious biases. You don't have to worry about your biases when you're looking at other people. Your biases when you're looking at other people is naturally to look and to find the flaw in them. When you're looking at other people or when you're looking at your past, which is not Nogeil Maisa, which is not tinged with that, with that feeling of I need to justify my bad habit that I want to do right now. So maybe you need to look at yourself with the eyes of B'nai Nevi'im. M'lo Nevi'im, B'nai Nevi'im. Maybe these people need to be looked at with the eyes of B'nai Nevi'im. To the extent that we do that, that's the extent that we're living with Avram and Sarah awareness. This is the praise of Avram Avinu to his wife, Sarah Yimein. So we're very fortunate to be part of this people. And so we ask Hashem to help us to be aware of that at all times.
a Torah that I always come back to from the Berditcher, based on Ramban, Parshas Chayisara. It's a little bit the opposite. Hope that we're mature enough to understand that you could hear two opposite ideas in a single, a single class, and recognize that they're both true. You just have to know when to apply one and when to apply the other. Sometimes it's applying one klapi chutz to people outside of yourself and applying one to yourself. It's a Torah from Rav Yitzchak of Berditcher, Zuchasigin points out it's a, it's a combination of a Rashi and a Ramban and a Chiddush from Rav Levi Yitzchak. come back to this every single year because I feel like it's such a Chosh of Nakuda that more and more every year we lose it so I have to like double down on it when Eliezer comes to find a wife for Yitzchak and he sees Rivka so all the Mepharshim are bothered by how exactly it is, how exactly it is that Eliezer knew to go to Rivka. After all, even before she tells him who she is, he gives her some of the schaira that he brought with him, some of the bracelets. And in fact, I'll share Agav, share a beautiful Torah that I saw this morning and shared with somebody outside the mikvah in the old city this morning. As I was exiting the ritual bath, um, I mean, Outside, outside, not the actual, not the actual pool, the, the building. Um, so I, I, had my, I had a copy of the Imre Emes uh, that was with my bag. And when I left, so I picked up the Imre Emes. And there was a guy who was standing there. And he saw me pick up the Imre Emes. He said, oh, you learned Imre Emes? I said, sometimes, you know, sometimes I learned Imre Emes. I'm the worst. I don't know how to answer like, a question normally. <laughs> but it's true. So I said, sometimes I learn Imre Emes. What are you, are you asking if I only learn Imre Emes? That was in my head, but... Um, so he said, you learn Imre Emes? I said, I said, sometimes. He said, oh, I just... He's like, I also have an... He pulled, like, out, like whipped from like, under his... I don't know where it came from. He just, like, pulled... He pulled out, he pulled out an Imre Emes. And he said, I have this small print version of it. You know, he's like, I like this version better because then he flipped it open to a page... Chayisara, he said, I like this version better because, because it has like bolded, like when he's, he quotes, happens to quote a lot of the earlier sources and they bold all the sources. And, and he opened it, I said, as I caught the eye of the, of the Sefer, so I saw the word no melech in the, in the Sefer. And I said, and I looked for a half a second inside and I said, oh, that's the piece I read on the bus this morning. So I said, let me tell you, so that, it happens to be a beautiful piece and it relates to, before we get to the British. So... There's a Torah from the Nomel Melech. He quotes from his brother, the Rebbe Rebzusha. Shemitadik. It's also appropriate. That by Shemitah, so the Torah says, that if you're going to ask, where are we going to eat from in, this, in the seventh year? So, v'tzivisi es birchasi. I will command my blessing, and I'll make sure that there's good crops in the sixth year, so that you'll be able to have what to eat in the sixth year and the seventh year. So, the Rebbe Rebzusha explained this Pasuk to say, that it's chaval that Hashem has to command his, his bracha. Like Hashem had to go out of his way to command that there should be a double portion in the sixth year. Because, and this is the way the Rebbe Zusha says it, because if we wouldn't have asked the question, the Torah says in a funny way, if you're going to say the question, where am I going to eat in the seventh year, then I'll double bless you with a double portion in the sixth year. Ah, from here, says the Rebbe Zusha, what would have been better if we wouldn't have asked the question to begin with? You're still in the sixth year, and you're coming across the seventh year. 
What are you asking where you're going to eat in the seventh year? Amunah Bashem. Bashem. If you ask the question, that cuts off, that cuts off on a certain level Hashem's ability to be mefarnes you in this very explicit type of miraculous way. So then again, I have to command my blessing. Which something which would have come so naturally, I have to command it. Hashem doesn't want to give commands. The Zohar Kaddish says that the mitzvahs are called etzos. That's what we commands. They're etzos, they're advice. They only become commands when we, when we don't take the advice. <laughs> so the Imran Emes says that by Eliezer, how did Eliezer know to give the, the gifts to Rivka right away before she even said who he was? So the Imran Emes says he didn't. He quotes the Torah from the Nomad Mal from the Rebbe Zosha. And he says, Eliezer made a similar mistake when he was going. Because Eliezer says to Avram, remember what he said? He said, what if she doesn't want to come? What if she doesn't want to come? Ulai, we spoke about this morning, right? Ulai is spelled Eli. Because really he was hoping she wouldn't come and then, you know, Yitzchak would marry into his family. Ulai, lo ava, she's not going to want to come to be with me, to, to, to come back to Yitzchak. Eliezer, Ulai, she's not going to want to be with you? Avram Vinu sending you. You have... You have the Tzadik Hador who's sending you on a mission on behalf of Hashem. Of course it's going to be successful. Why are you even doubting? Maybe she's not going to come. I'm going to want to come back. So to correct that, says the Imre Emes, he had to show the utmost Amuna to correct that mistake that he doubted maybe the whole mission is going to be failed because she's not going to want to come back. In order to correct that error in judgment on his high madriga, Eliezer, he had to trust his instincts, going back to what we were talking about before. And as soon as he saw this girl, he knew this is going to be Yitzchak's wife, and he trusted, without even asking who she was, to go with this Amunah to give her the gifts before he even asked who she was. That's what the Imran says. Not our, not our Indian right now. <laughs> so the Berdichever says, how did she know? How did he know? Okay, that's a nice Torah. He, he didn't know. He just trusted. Nacha, different tradition. How these two traditions work together, they do, not right now, I can't, I don't have to think about it right now, but I don't have the Caleb to think about it right now, but, but Rashi says, how did he know that this was a special girl that was Shaykh to Yitzchak? Anyone remember? Anyone do Shnai Mikro yet? Yeah? Camels. She watered the camels. That was, that was the test after, but even before she watered the camels and he said, who are you? And she said who she was and then he asked her to drink. Before that, there was an earlier simon, Rashi says. Anyone remember? Don't be shy. The water, the water was coming up miraculously to her. He saw, as he was coming up to the well, he saw all the people were going to get the water and they had to, you know, shove their bucket down deep into the well and schlep it back up. And he saw by Rivka, this, this girl is going to collect water for her family. She sees the water is like leaping up out of the, you know, it's just coming, the whole world is coming towards her because she's part, she must be part of the Tachla Sabria, which is part of the family of Avramir, the Tachla Sabria. And the whole world is just tilted towards her. The water is coming up. So the Ramban asks on this Rashi, and there's even a, there's even a, a smach in the Pasuk that the Pasuk seems to imply that the water was ala likrasa, the water was coming up to greet her. There's a, there's a, there's a certain nusach in the Pasuk, I'm not remembering it right now, but there's a certain nusach in the Pasuk that seems to imply that the water was coming up to her. That's the Lashem. 
Batimale, so double, first of all, Batimale means that her, her kad was filled up, almost like as if automatically. So the Ramban asks the Kasha, he says, okay, very nice. Rivka has this miraculous water trick that she does. Very nice. However, a few psukim later, Eliezer says to her, if you're going to feed me and my camels, perhaps you could, you, could, you could give me some drink. And she says, not only you, but also your camels. She passes the test. But then when the Torah talks about how she's mashkeh, Eliezer and the camels, it doesn't use this funny grammatical way of, it sounds like she's really doing it herself. What happened to the miracle? Says the Ramban. He thinks Rashi is, I thought, I thought she gets this miraculous treatment. The water just comes up to greet her. That's the Ramban's kash on Rashi. What happened to him? Something happened? Ran out of uh, magic power? Salila? <laughs> so comes along with Levi Yitzchak of Bardichev and he says, that in a Hanami, when Rivka was taking the water for herself, for her own family, so the whole world was tilting towards her so that she would have it easy. It would be easy. But listen to this. is mamish life-changing. I only have a few minutes. This is mamish life-changing. What's easier? To do a mitzvah in a way that's lazy? For real. This is the example that I always give because my wife and I once saw this in a store. What's easier? To pull out you know, the greater and to grate the maror, and to check the lettuce to make sure there's no bugs, and to make your own charoses, and to boil the eggs, and to burn the shank bone, to make your own seder plate, or like my wife and I once saw before Pesach in some supermarket, like a pre-made seder plate. What's easier? Buying it. Buying it is not easier. That's what the Berditcher wants to say. It's not easier. Because your whole Avodah Hashem is going to be such a tircha. Such a, if you make your Avodah Hashem into a tircha, then I need to buy it. What's easier? More relevant, coming up soon. Buying wicks and oil and setting up your menorah or buying the break-off tops. So the Berditcher says, you think it's easier to buy the break-off tops. It's not easier. Maybe the first day it'll take you a little longer to set everything up. But it's not easier. It'll be so much more joyful if you're able to do it yourself. When Rifka was taking the water for her own family, which is not, there's no... It was for her own survival. That's not a mitzvah. So then it's easier if the water comes up automatically. That's the miracle. But if she's doing a mitzvah, if she's, if she's doing something for someone else, then dafka, it's easier if the water doesn't come up, if she has to put in effort. Because in building up a character of a person who puts in effort to do for somebody else, the trajectory of your life becomes in such a way that life becomes easier, becomes more pleasant. The miracle would have stunted her ability to become a person who is capable of navigating the world in such a way where doing for somebody else brings me joy. Actually makes it harder to be. And so the reason why the Torah doesn't talk about the water miraculously being filled up when she was filling up the water for Eliezer and the camels is because Dafka Hashem suspended this miracle so that she could exert energy because counterintuitively, exerting energy you all know it's true. You've tasted this this year already. I know you have. Nine out of ten of you. That to the degree that you put in energy and effort versus taking the, the lazy route to understand the Gemara, when you get it in the end, it's so sweet, it's so fulfilling that it's not easier to look it up. It's easy. At first, it's easier to look it up somewhere else. 
or to ask and not to read it for the 15th time before you ask your Rebbe for help. But in terms of the Mesiko Sachayim that you're able to get by doing it in a way where you actually invest effort, the more effort that you invest, the easier it becomes. The sweeter it becomes. The more enjoyable it becomes. You hear me, Noe? That's the way it is. That's my daughter. It is time for Mincha. Good job, good job, good job, good job, good job.